We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, that sucked. Burn the black jerseys. That's all I got to say. This is Top Dogs. My name is Rob Doster. This is the Field of 68. And I guess we got to talk about it, right? UConn in their Big East conference opening game lost on the road to Seton Hall. It's the third straight time they've lost at Seton Hall. It is the 16th time in the last 20 years that UConn has lost their conference opening game. Final score was 75 to 60. Uh, UConn was up 20 to 10 at one point in the first half, and it just kind of completely melted away from there. Um, There are a couple of things that I want to say about this game and a lot of things that we have to talk about and a lot of takeaways that we need to have. Uh, But first and foremost, um, I want to make two points. The first point is, that the single most concerning thing coming out of this game and coming out of this uh, performance is the health of Donovan Klingon. Um, I think what we saw in the final six minutes of the first half and what we saw in the second half was the value that he provides in terms of just being seven foot three Donovan Klingon, just being the wall of Bristol in the paint. Samson Johnson is a really talented basketball player, and he is a guy that has uh, a good future in this sport, but um, he is not the defensive presence that Donovan Klingon is, and he does not bring that level of stability at the five spot and at the rim that Donovan Klingon brings. And I don't think that that can be overstated. Um, The offensive end of the floor is not the issue. The issue is on the defensive end of the floor. The issue is that... Uh, this is a UConn team that is not a great perimeter defense. And um, we saw it with what Seton Hall wanted to do offensively, right? This wasn't a situation where they were jacking up threes. This wasn't a situation where they even took a lot of threes. They were three for eight from beyond the arc. They were able to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim whenever they wanted. They got 14 offensive rebounds um, and uh, basically matched UConn. They had a 50% offensive rebounding rate in this game. It was 14-14. Uh, and 
I think a lot, like so much of that is a result of Donovan McClain missing, missing a significant amount of the time. So much of their success getting points in the paint is a result of Donovan McClain missing a significant amount of time in that game due to injury and due to, um, due to, uh, foul trouble. Right. And, uh, I don't think it can be overstated how important it is to be able to get him back healthy at some point. Now, uh, as of this recording, it is 1235 in the AM on Thursday morning. I just finished uh, doing After Dark um, and doing the show there and doing Last Call over on Stadium. Uh, but I wanted to get in and record this really quick because it's something that it's it's just a rant that I had to get out. Right. It's a it's something that I had to kind of talk about. So um, I think it's also very important while acknowledging how valuable Klingon is to what UConn wants to do on the defensive end of the floor. Um, there is a level of protection that this staff, that this training staff, that everybody has to have. Just to, to be accurate in terms of what was said about him and, and what happened after the game, uh, Dan Hurley went into his press conference and said uh, it is a sprained ankle. He said that he is unsure of what the specific status is, which is not uncommon, uh, that Donovan Klingon left the game in a boot which is not uncommon and is something where um, we did not get uh, anything beyond that, which is also not uncommon. You know, when you have um, a player with an ankle injury or a foot injury and they are coming out of a game where they just suffered that injury, you want to put the boot on it out of precaution. Sometimes that is to reduce the swelling because it's a bad injury. Sometimes that is to reduce the, uh, wear and tear on it when that player is walking on it, when it's not that serious of an injury and you're just trying to make sure they can get back quicker than uh, you would necessarily expect. So there's no, I don't think there's too much that you can read into it. It's one of those things where you got to wait till the next day, see how bad it feels, see how bad he is uh, when it comes to walking on it, see if it's something where he can run, see if it's something where he can play, cut, move, do all of those good things. Um, I do think it is a good sign that Hurley said that Klingon wanted to get back into the game afterwards. You saw him on the bench. He didn't have ice on it. He was bouncing his foot up and down. He was walking a little bit. Um, and the trainers were the ones, according to Hurley, that said no and that he was not going to be allowed to get back into the game. Uh, so that makes me believe it's not necessarily that serious, but it's also something where uh, I'm recording this again um, four hours after the game. And by the time you're listening to this in the morning, maybe more news has, has broken in terms of just how serious that injury is. So, uh, time will tell, we will see, but I don't think, uh, I, well, I know that what we learned in this performance is that the presence of Donovan Klingon, uh, is potentially more important maybe than we even thought about. So I think it's really important to just kind of start there. He's got to be healthy. He's a seven foot three dude that has dealt with a stress reaction slash stress fracture, I guess, depending on how you want to phrase it, uh, in one foot, a toe injury in the other foot, and now a sprained ankle on one of his feet as well. Um, that's a lot of lower extremity injuries over the course of three months for a guy that is seven foot three. That is something that is a concern, and that is something where I do believe at some point, if you are the UConn staff and you are the UConn training staff, you uh, you need to make sure that you are protecting a player from himself because a lot of times some guys are going to want to try to play through an injury when they shouldn't necessarily be playing through that injury. So that's something I think is really important to keep in mind. Um, the other thing that I, I did want to mention is that uh, 
this game came after a relatively intense non-conference period. It came after they traveled back from the other side of the country where they smacked Gonzaga. And it came on the road in a Big East Conference opening game um, that is five days before Christmas. These are the kind of games that that teams can lose, right? These are the kind of games where uh, teams don't necessarily show up. These are the kind of games where it can be difficult to get up for them. Um, I thought Alex Carabin had a really uh, telling quote in the postgame press conference. I believe it was Dave Borges that, that tweeted this out. Uh, he basically said, you can't show up to a road game in Big East play um, and not be ready and expect to not get your ass kicked, more or less. I'm kind of par- paraphrasing there, but that's basically the point that he made. Uh, if you show up and you're not ready to play, you're going to get your butt whoops um, playing in this league. And that is 100% true. And that is something that we 100% saw uh, take place in Newark on um, on on Wednesday night. Uh, the bottom line is this. Seton Hall was the tougher team. We can sit here and we can dive into some of the issues that they had on the offensive end of the floor. We can talk about the zone, the matchup zone that Seton Hall threw with them. And I can make some points about how Seton Hall was doing their switching defense and they were, they were switching main to man. They played a matchup zone and it makes it very, really difficult for UConn to be able to run their stuff. And it makes it really difficult for them to be able to do this. And it makes it difficult for them to be do to, to do that. The, the single most important point to take away from this game is that Seton Hall was the tougher team and the tougher team won this game. And I think that that is basically what happened. Seton Hall showed up ready to play and it looked like UConn showed up thinking that they were going to be able to walk in there and win a basketball game. Um, that was basically just win a game uh, by showing up. And that's not going to happen when you're playing in the Big East and that's not going to happen when you are uh, playing a team with as much talent as Seton Hall has. And I know you might want to laugh at it. I know you might say that there were seven, seven and four coming into this game, but Dari Richardson is a very good player. Alamir Dawes is a very good player. Dylan Adaiwusu is a very good player. Um, those are guys that are old, they are tough, they are physical, and they have been around the Big East for a while. So they know how to play basketball. And if you're going to go up and play against them and not show up ready to play, you're not going to win the basketball game. It is just kind of that simple. So uh, those are the two things that I want to just kind of get that out there at the top. The last point that I want to make, and I think this is the single most important one. This is one game. It is a road game. It is league play. It is the Big East. We saw Marquette get smacked at Providence. We saw Creighton lose at home against Villanova. We've seen teams like this struggle in league play in certain situations. Uh, I mentioned it at the open. Only four times in the last 20 years has UConn won their conference opener. They have as many national championships in the last 20 years as they do conference opening wins. In 2014, when UConn won the national title, they lost their Big East opener to Houston on the road. In 2011, when they won the national title, they lost their Big East opener to Pitt on the road. In 2009, when they made the Final Four, they lost their Big East opener to Georgetown at home. It's one of those things that happens. It's conference play. It's league play. Uh, It is what it is. And I think that a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about in this, um, in this podcast and on the show should all be taken within the, the very specific context that 
what happened in the first 11 of the games of the season should not be ignored. This is still a national championship caliber team. This is still a final four caliber team. This is still a team that is good enough to be able to win the Big East regular season title, to be able to win the Big East tournament, to be able to do all the things they, they want to be able to do. But we need to be able to put that into a context and be able to have a conversation about what happened in this game. So I hope that people understand that I'm not just talking out of both sides of my mouth, but um, we can critique what happened in this game, which I promise you uh, Dan Hurley is going to do in the film session. Uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that film session. I would hate to be a player that was sitting in that film session. So um, let's talk a little bit about what happened here. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you the listeners, and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I, I do think that... Um, so I want to start with this at the start of the season. I kind of, kind of got like ripped for this and made fun of for this. And, and, and I don't understand why people uh, took me to task for it. But um, at the start of the year, I said that there were two issues that this group has in terms of the way that the roster was constructed that could be exploited. Uh, one of them was um, a lack of top end athleticism when it comes to perimeter defenders, right? it's easier than it should be for teams to be able to beat UConn defenders off of the bounce. Some of that doesn't matter when you have Donovan clinging at the basket and at the rim, 
swatting stuff away and being all seven foot three with with a ridiculous wingspan. Um, but when he's not there, you can see those issues kind of come to light, right? And I think that we really saw that tonight. The other issue is a lack of playmaking off the bounce. You know, if you're able to switch what UConn or switch against them defensively in a man-to-man and half court, and you are able to take them out of what they want to run and force them to uh, not just run offense in the half court, but force them to um, to have to play one-on-one, they don't really have that many guys that can break people down and make things easy for other players, right? Tristan Newton can do it, but he's not necessarily like – at his best when it's ISO one-on-one beat a guy, go make a play, make something easy for somebody else. He's more of a scorer at heart than anything. Like he can make plays, but he's more of a score. Um, Cam Spencer, another guy, not exactly built to be able to break people down, beat them off the dribble, explode to the rim, go make a play, right? He can do it, but that's not what he is necessarily best at. Um, I think Steph Castle probably is. But because of his lack of shooting, he's it's very hard for defenses to be forced out to guard him. So it's hard for him to be able to turn a corner and and um, create a situation where he has uh, got an advantage and, and, and whatnot. So um, I think both of those issues really came to light because of a number of different factors. One of them is that Seton Hall is a really tough team that was playing their ass off at home. One of them is that this is a team that is able to kind of switch one through four and make life difficult. One of them is that you got dudes like Dre Davis and and Kadari Richmond that are just six foot six monsters that can guard anyone from Alex Carabin to Tristan Newton. And it's not really a problem. So there's a lot of uh, ways that they can kind of match up. Um, And it's, it's just, you know, it's part of why it was effective is that this is a matchup thing. UConn didn't show up ready to play. UConn lost their star center um, to take away some of their advantage. And this is the result of what happens when uh, things like that. So, um, I'm not necessarily super concerned about it, but it just kind of, to me, highlighted some of the red flags that I had about this group coming in to the season. The other big issue I have is, and, and I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into this point, and it's something where I don't necessarily have an answer for yet. I don't necessarily know if this is something that we should be really concerned about or if this is just something where uh, this is kind of the state of uh, of college basketball and the state of where we are. So, um, Andrew Mayweather, uh, brought this to my attention. Uh, I'm sorry, Andrew Merriweather. He is a guy that used to be a, uh, a manager and a walk on at Duke. And he used to be a guy, I think it was a GA at Duke. And now he's an analytics guy on, uh, doing stuff, uh, from the media side and UConn right now is getting more than 15, uh, what synergy considers unguarded jump shots and unguarded three point attempts per game. Uh, this season, which is significantly more than any high major, um, any other high major team is getting. Uh, they are 206th out of 362 teams, averaging 1.07 points per possession on those uncontested open jump shots that they are getting. So the question that I'm kind of finding myself wondering, right? What we've heard from Hurley before is, um, is that they haven't seen us when we're able to make jump shots yet. And I'm kind of sitting here like, okay, have we not been able to see this team make open jump shots? Or is this just not a great shooting team where coaches are making the decision, we're going to dare them to beat us from the perimeter because we don't think that they can do something else. 
I think that it is the former, but I don't think that it is necessarily a coincidence that uh, coaches are letting them have these open shots and UConn, are, UConn is missing these open shots. And what what, I, what I'm trying to say is that I am buying UConn as a really good shooting team when it comes to three, maybe four positions, right? I think we know what Cam Spencer is as a jump shooter. I think we've seen enough to say we know what Tristan Newton is as a jump shooter. I think that Alex Caravan is better than what the numbers are that he's put up this season. And I'm willing to buy into the idea that solo ball is going to figure it out at some point, be a knockdown shooter, right? But Donovan Klingon is not exactly a floor spacer. Samson Johnson is not exactly a floor spacer. Asan Diara is not exactly a floor spacer. We know Steph Castle isn't a floor spacer. Those aren't the guys that you necessarily want taking open threes, but when you don't have to guard them, it kind of clogs things up. So I think the the story is the, the the book is still out on that take, and the book is still out on how we should feel about that situation. But uh I do think one of the things that I'm going to be focusing on when I watch this group play for probably the next two weeks is are they open for a reason? And I am very curious to see what I will take away as I kind of watch the tape and watch the film and and, and think about that a little bit. I'm not ready to say that this is a team where the te- coaches are specifically s- daring them to shoot, um, but I don't think it's necessarily something that's out of the question. So uh, that will be something that is interesting to watch. A couple other takes that I had. Um, the, the timing of this this ankle thing for Donovan. It's just so frustrating, man, because he was really starting to find a way to figure this thing out. It seemed like he was really uh, getting comfortable as someone that UConn would be able to establish in the post, as someone that UConn could use as the linchpin of their offense, as someone that UConn was willing to throw the ball into. I mean, he had 14 points and seven boards in 14 minutes today. Blocked a couple shots, got five offensive rebounds. He was really damn good. And to see him be able to work all the way through the injuries he had at the start of the season, get back to kind of finally looking like himself, and then having that all go away because uh, he just took a weird step on a weird possession in the game, it's just it's just so frustrating. I feel for him. And 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 I know I'm hoping that he's going to be fine when it's all said and done and, and that this won't be something that kind of derails his season or UConn seasons, but stranger things have happened. Um, My other biggest takeaway was just that he might be the most valuable player in college basketball because without him, UConn just doesn't have an answer in there. You know, Samson was, Samson was, he was not good. And I'm trying to avoid allowing the Cervases to, uh, to infringe on what my opinion is here. And I I don't, I'm not going to sit here and just kill the kid because you know, he's out there busting his ass and doing the best that he can, but he was he was not good tonight, and he needs to be better, and he needs to be more of a presence, and he needs to be someone that they can rely on to uh, be able to be be some level of rim protection, some level of offensive presence, some level of catch the ball when you're at the rim, some level of finish when you're all by yourself down there. So um, I think it's really important that he is he, he's able to get better, and that's something that I think will be very impactful for what this program is uh moving forward i also think steph castle is just not quite there yet and it's something the same thing with solo ball like they are freshmen they're going to have moments where they're really high and moments where they're really low and that's just the natural evolution of freshmen and the thing about them is that you want to be able to give them the minutes and give them the playing time so that when you look up in february and march 
they are there are much more of the highs than the lows, and the lows aren't anywhere near as low as what they were at the start of the year. And I don't think either of them played particularly well tonight. I don't think anybody on the roster played particularly well tonight outside of uh, Donovan Klingon. Um, but I mean, I don't really know what else there is to say beyond that. This was not a. It was a quintessential Shaheen Holloway, Seton Hall, Shaheen Holloway from St. Peter's, Shaheen Holloway, tough, rugged, Queens. Like, this is exactly what you would expect out of a Seton Hall team. Um, And I'm going to sit here and say right now that uh, I think that this loss and Marquette's loss and Creighton's loss, I think that says significantly more about the depth of the big East than it does about how good the top of the big East actually is. There are some things that Providence needs to, I'm sorry, that Marquette needs to work out. There are certainly things that UConn needs to work out. There are some things that make me question Creighton a little bit this year, but uh, Villanova, there's a reason why some people had them projected as a top 15 team heading into the season. There's a reason why people had Providence projected as a top 25 team heading into the season, right? Seton Hall, you can question them all you want. That's a bunch of 22- and 23-year-old dudes that have been through some wars, have been through some battles, that actually had an offseason to work with their coach, and that has a coach that demands a certain level of toughness and physicality and and intensity from them. So um, frustrating loss, for sure. Uh, Annoying when you work at a company that has two Seton Hall alums and has Jeff Goodman, 100%. Uh, something where I'm going to overreact and sit here and say that uh, UConn season is over, not publicly. I'm only going to do that when I'm screaming into the mirror in the bathroom by myself. So um, onward and upward, they play again on Saturday. They get, <laughs> this is what you all you need to know about the Big East is that you come off of a loss at Seton Hall with a guy that was in the Elite Eight in 2022, and the next game you get is at home against St. John's, against Rick Pitino, his first road game as a Big East head coach in a decade. And those two teams were picked outside of the top six of the Big East. So it's going to be war. It's going to be a battle. Listen, I'm going to throw in here at the end some audio from uh, from tonight's episode of After Dark. I was with Matt McCall. I was with John Henson. I'm going to cut to the, uh, the conversation that we had about UConn there because I do think that McCall and Henson both have a little bit of insightful and enlightening points so i will i will allow them at this point to be able to go make them uh so without further ado we're going to cut to that feel the 68 after dark make sure you like make sure you share make sure you rate make sure you review make sure you do all those things that's going to make me happy as a podcaster and hopefully when we have a conversation after saturday's game it'll be a little bit happier than this conversation was but the place that we have to start gentlemen is down in newark where yukon got their asses absolutely handed to them by Seton Hall, who came into the game at 7-4. The final score of that game was 75-60. to uh, The big news, Donovan Klingon sprained his ankle. Um, after the game, Dan Hurley told reporters that it was uh, a sprain. He doesn't know how long he's going to be out, but Klingon did walk out of the arena wearing a boot. Henson, we're going to you first on this one, man. UConn lost first game in the Big East on the road. Is this something that we need to be worried about? Is this just life on the road in the Big East? Make sense of this for me. Try to uh, cheer me up because this is the only thing that's cheering me up. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it was, but I was told to give you a hard time before you got on today. But uh, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you live. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's tough. They, they're coming. I mean, I looked at their schedule: Texas at Kansas, 
UNC, Gonzaga. Like, it, it was – it's a tough spot to be in for your first game. It gets a, a program that they just, for some reason, historically struggle with. That's kind of how we were when I played it with Georgia Tech. Don't know what it was. Don't know <laughs> what was in the water. We could never really beat them. And if we did beat them, it was always a tough game. So, no reason to overreact. Seton Hall is relentless. They, they, they just – they didn't stop. They kept coming. Um, Richmond, 23-6-5. and five, You know, Eight steals. Don't forget out. about those eight steals. Eight steals. Clinging, going out of the game kind of affected them as well because that was kind of something that they were going to at the time, uh, who he was playing well. So tough spot to be in, but not going to overreact. UConn, they looked good. They, they fought. It was just Seton Hall's night. And uh, like we said, historically, they've struggled with this team for some reason that they, they, that's a team they always have a problem with. Yeah. McCall, I know you're going to talk some sense into me, man. You're Mr. Positivity on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was a sloppy game for UConn. They just didn't play well. Right. I mean, 17 turnovers and didn't shoot the basketball well from behind the perimeter. I mean, give Shaheen Holloway and Seton Hall all the credit in the world, but UConn just didn't play well. It was a sloppy game for them. And that's what happens. And, I would love to to ask Henson this too, just in terms of a player, but the conference game right before Christmas, I think that that game right before Christmas as a coach was always a super challenge, just in terms of keeping your team engaged. You know, the, the, the presents aren't going anywhere. Yes, you're going to leave, but you can't leave until the clock hits zero. And, you know, I just think that's throwing the conference game in there is a little bit of a challenge, but UConn just played sloppy and look, you know, you talk about Seton Hall having their number, and I, I, I make this reference a lot of times, you know, back to 06 and 07 when I was at the University of Florida, part of that staff, like we, we couldn't ever beat Bruce Pearl in Tennessee. We just couldn't do it, right? But we won back-to-back national championships. There's just some games and some teams that just seem to have your number. That doesn't mean they're not going to make a Final Four. It doesn't mean they're not going to win a national championship. It doesn't mean they're still not one of the best teams in the country. They just didn't play well didn't make shots and turn it over 17 times. I mean, that's that's a recipe to, to lose a game, especially on the road. And now everyone talks about UConn, blue blood. Are they blue blood? Yeah, yes, of course they're a blue blood with what they've done. And I, I don't care, you know, what. how do you define that? But you go on a road, you're playing a conference game, and everybody raises their level of play in conference, right? Everybody raises it, and especially on the road, you're getting every single team's best shot. So you got to be prepared for that. And Seton Hall played harder in this game. I mean, Hurley alluded to it. He said the film session's not going to be fun tomorrow. He's going to hold every single person in that program accountable. Man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that film room tomorrow to watch that. But they played harder. Seton Hall played harder. And when the, you play harder, you play more connected, you win. And, and UConn was just sloppy. I mean, you can't turn it over 17 times in a conference game on the road and not make threes. Oh, and by the way, lose your starting center to an ankle injury, who's your rim protector. Because it's not like Seton Hall was banging home threes. They're getting downhill. And if Donovan Klingman's back there, he's altering a bunch of those shots. He was out of that game. Seton Hall took complete advantage of it and give them credit, give Shaheen Holloway credit. Great win for them. Go ahead, Henson. Oh, just some – it was also some unlucky bounces, especially in the second half when they were trying to get back in the game. Just some unfortunate rolls and offensive boards. Now, credit to Seton Hall. They were getting to those 50-50 balls. But just one of those nights, it happens. 
Coach McCall, you actually brought up a good you probably brought up a good you brought up a good point as well. Looking into Christmas break, I never thought about it like that, but it is something that you are looking forward to being home, taking a break, being with family and friends. You know, when I was in school, Coach Williams was big on that. So definitely something uh that could have played a factor. Yeah. Um for the people tracking alongside here, Creighton and Villanova are headed to overtime. Uh, some weird referee reviewing stuff at the monitor uh, there. I, I have it on mute, so I don't know exactly what was happening over there. But if you just see less than five seconds left in the game, odds are pretty good in a college basketball game. They're going to be referees looking at a monitor. Um, I think that you guys are both right. Uh, Alex Caraman <laughs> after the game, said, this is a quote, uh, if you don't show up ready to play in the Big East, you're going to get your ass kicked. And, and to me, that is exactly what happened uh, in, in this matchup. I think that it was something where you kind of overlooked uh, Seton Hall, right? You're coming off of a game against Gonzaga. You have everybody talking about how you might be the best team in the country. Jim Beheim is on this show saying that UConn is the best team in college basketball, and uh, they just did not show up ready to play. Um, I got a little bit of, uh, of, of coping mechanisms for myself, so I'm going to put you guys through this for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. UConn has as many national championships in the last 20 years as they do conference opening victories. They are four and 16 in their last 20 conference openers. The last uh, prior to last season, the last three times that they reached the final four and the last two times that they won the national title, they lost their season opener only four times since their last national title. Did they win the uh, have a conference opener victory? So it's just one of those things that happens. Um, we saw Marquette get smacked at Providence. Uh, people probably regard Providence a little bit higher than they do Seton Hall at this point. Uh, we're watching Creighton right now struggle with a Villanova team that lost uh, three games to Big Five competition. It's just it happens, man. It happens sometimes. And and if you can kind of take this as a wake up call, if you are uh, if you are UConn, then I think that that's probably the best way. Um, to view this i'll have much more in-depth and longer rants if you want to listen to the top dogs podcast over on the field of 68 that's my uconn podcast so uh, if you want to listen to that and, and hear me rant for 30 minutes about uh what the hell is going on with this this program this team then that's it's also very and and, and j- j- you and goodman give me crap for this all the time it's hard to win it's hard to win. <laughs> it is. It's man. hard to win. Winning is hard. And you're getting every single team's best shot every single night. They're not trying to defend the national championship. They're not defending anything. No one's taking that banner down. But they're still UConn. They got UConn across the front of their chest. They're one of the most successful programs in the history of college basketball. It's hard to win. They're going to have off nights. Like, like the podcasters and – you know, the media and the NBA, nobody ever reacts, you know, like they lose one That's game. Of, of the best team in the NBA loses one game. Nobody ever overreacts. Basketball is different, right? In football, the bigger, faster, stronger team with a really good quarterback, generally nine and a half times uh, out of ten wins. In basketball, it's different. You can have an off night. You can miss shots. You could turn it over, or the other team could get hot behind a three-point line. Ask Purdue. Right? They've struggled in the NCAA tournament because of that. No need to overreact. They're still one of the best teams in the country. But listen, it's hard to win. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.